Char Chat is a member of the Teej.fm network from WTJU. To learn more, visit Teej.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Hello, everybody. It's Monday, September 24th, 2018. I'm Caitlin Flay. And I'm Tanner Green. And you're listening to Chart Chat, your weekly guide to the past week of pop singles hitting the U.S. and U.K. charts. Tanner, we've managed two weeks in a row. Hooray! We meant it when we said we were back. We're back. We are back. And I have the U.K. entries for you, just like every week. Fantastic. Boom. At number 99, we have the late Mac Miller's Hurt Feelings. One step above that at 98, we have LMI with Trip. At number 87, we have Hosier's Latest featuring Mavis Staples, and that song is called Nina Cried Power. At number 71, we have Hugh Jackman's From Now On. That's another one popping up from the Greatest Showman soundtrack. At number 68, we have Dizzy Rascal and Skepta with their song, Money Right. At number 61, we have Mac Miller, Self Care. At number 52, we have MK, Jonas Blue, and Becky Hill with Back and Forth. At 51, we have Sigala, Ella Eyre, Megan Trainer, and French Montana in perhaps one of the strangest collaborations I have listed on this show with the song Just Got Paid. At number 31, we have the song that I mentioned last week, Diss Track, Machine Gun Kelly, Rap Devil. At number 15, we have Silk City featuring Dua Lipa with Electricity. And finally, cracking the top 10, number three, we have Lil Pump and Kanye West with I Love It. And over here on the U.S., we kick things off with a familiar track. It's Electricity by Silk City and Dua Lipa debuting at number 96. Debuting at number 95, there's Dan and Shay with their song Speechless. Ozuna and Manuel Terizo debut at number 94 with their song Vaina Loca. And then we have a block from the recently deceased Mac Miller, as Caitlin mentioned, uh, debuting at number 91, 70, and 33, respectively. We have Come Back to Earth, Hurt Feelings, and Self Care. And then debuting at number 13, we jump up to Rap Devil by Machine Gun Kelly. And similar to the UK, we have a top 10 entry. With I Love It by Kanye West and Lil Pump. Caitlin, what you bringing to the table this week? I have focused, not purposefully, on two songs that are taken from two different EPs. First one we're starting with, Nina Cried Power. This is Hosier's latest single. He is one of my favorite singers of all time. I'm pretty sure we all remember his first single, Take Me to Church. That came out in 2014, and it peaked at number two on both the UK official and US Billboard Hot 100 charts. It also spent a really solid 86 weeks on the UK official charts, and we probably all remember it, but if not, here's a little refresher. Take me to church, like a dog at the shrine of Take me to church showers like a dog at the 
so that was Take Me to Church. I think we all remember this song, like I said before. Hosier is in my top three artists. I need to see him live. We will see. He's coming to D.C. soon. And a little bit about his life, which I am very interested in of late. Um, He toured extensively extensively after Take Me to Church came out. And he was kind of on the road for almost two years. And he kind of proclaimed that he burnt out big time. He was tired. He retired kind of to the English countryside. He hermited himself. He was just working on music and not really producing anything which I totally relate to sometimes you just get tired and you need to be alone but the track that we're about to hear comes from Hosier's new EP like I said before and it's titled also Nina Cried Power it is named after Nina Simone which is kind of cool three song EP released on September 6th Hosier says another album is due out next year. I wouldn't bet money that it would come out early in 2019, but we will see. So this new song by Hosier was kind of a surprise in that it really increased in tempo compared to his earlier output, and it has a very prominent civil rights-related theme. Uh, I'd also argue that Hosier really pushes his voice more so than in previous tracks. Uh, They've all been bluesier, a little bit laid back. He sings a little bit behind the beat a lot of the time. It's never been quite yelly like it is here. Uh, So we're just going to dive right in. Uh, Keep that in mind. And here is Nina Cried Power. It's not the waking, it's the rise. It's not the shade we should be past. It's the light and it's the obstacle that casts it It's the heat that drives the light It's the fire it ignites It's not the waking, it's the rising It's not the song, it is the singing cried power little clip there uh you could hear in the chorus as hosier starts listing these names his voice he pushes it pushes it and it almost gives out and something that's really cool in that moment is that mavis staples comes in and kind of picks up where he leaves off and i think that's really symbolic Uh, in a lot of ways that we're going to get into. I kind of did an unintentional deep dive into this song. Um, And 
I guess we'll just start with the elephant in the room. And Tanner, interrupt me whenever you want to give us your take on this song. I like to call the elephant in the room the Jack White dilemma. And that is another way to say, how do we think about this oddity in kind of placing white blues soul gospel singers into a narrative that isn't theirs and last year I was trying to tackle this with one of the classes I taught which was I forget what it was called but like basic musicianship or something and we learned a lot of music theory and I taught the blues scale and it just it was so blah you know, like you're teaching scales and this blue scale sounds awesome and none of the students knew the history of blues. So I used a musician, Jack White, that kind of has been a part of the blues rock narrative in the United States. And we read an article that was something along the lines of Jack White appropriates blues music. And I asked the students to debate that And I think a lot of people do get hung up on this issue, like are white blues singers appropriating the genre or not. But I kind of want to talk a little bit about how to move past it. And I think that Hosier's single Nina Cried Power gives us a context in which to do that. So Hosier did a pretty extensive interview about this new EP with Billboard recently, and They claimed that Mavis Staples' vocals and the fact that the chorus contains names of all these excellent blues, jazz, funk, you name it, black singers, Nina, Billy, Mavis, Curtis, Patty, James Brown, like, it's almost awkward the way that they're listed like that, but nonetheless, Billboard says that it kind of credited the legacy of protest that black singers lived through during the civil rights movement in the United States. And I think something that's fascinating to look at and think about uh, is the fact that Hosier is going this extra mile with including Mavis Staples and really giving his voice in service to these singers and this era. So Hosier was born and raised in Ireland, which had a lot of civil rights and a lot of religious issues, especially during the 1980s, 1990s. And he's only 28. But I feel like even just through this song alone, that he has some kind of really deep connection, despite the transatlantic distance to the civil rights movement. And he obviously didn't live through it and can't understand it like someone Uh, such as Mavis Staples can, but I think he's trying to. So whether or not, like we could debate, oh, he's appropriating the genre or, oh, he's not. But I think he's also trying to understand something historically that maybe a lot of people take for granted now. And I pulled a quote uh, that I want to share from this interview that Billboard did. And Hosier says, The purpose of Nina Cried Power is really to talk about how the civil liberties and civil rights that we do enjoy, the kind of common respect for the dignity of people that we take for granted now, is not something that was ever given. It's not something that was ever given freely. 
It was something that was sweated for and wept and bled for by people who we thankfully still have around today, just like Mavis Steeples. We can still look to that legacy, and it is something that will go again and something that we can regress from or we can progress with. These are tenuous times, but we do live in a global community. So that was a very large block quote, but I think it kind of sums up nicely where Hosier's coming from. And just to kind of wrap up, because I know I've been rambling for a long time, uh, instead of kind of puzzling over the oddness of this situation and the ra- like racial argument here, I think it's kind of cool that Hosier not only shares the microphone with Mavis Staples, but like I said before, he also gives his voice in service of great rhythm and blues gospel funk singers uh, from the civil rights movement and beyond. And I think that's something that's really cool, despite the fact that I wish I liked the song more than I do. (laughs) And I know, Tanner, you weren't a huge fan of this song either. Yeah, so I mean, to briefly comment on, on what you were sort of leading up to with the song um, and the sort of broader contextual issues it speaks to, you know, I think one way, one of the most common ways or perhaps one of the better ways to participate in a musical genre or tradition that may not be quote unquote yours um, is demonstrating a knowledge, not only a knowledge of, but a sustained engagement with the history of that genre of that tradition. Um, And not knowing much, about Hoosier's other work besides of course take me to church bringing Mavis Staples on a track and name checking a bunch of civil rights pioneers is one way to potentially do that but in terms of the song itself I find so you talked about him pushing his voice you talked about him bordering into the kind of yelly territory and he doesn't strike me as a singer who can pull that off super well once he starts yelling his voice kind of just like gives out and not in the like of course, we've talked about how much we love it when Sia's voice breaks. Like, it's not that type of giving out where it's just like, there's there's not a forcefulness to it. It kind of buckles a little bit, which is a bummer. The drum beat is cool. I'll say that. But as a song, I'm kind of indifferent towards it. Yeah. And I think the drum beat is cool, but it also is something that pushes him along in the song like you can almost hear if you take another listen to the track that his voice wants to sing behind the beat like he wants to play with the rhythm but that drum pattern doesn't allow him to and that's something that having listened to his previous album and reflecting like on how this really doesn't fit with the rest of his output uh, rhythmically and just tempo wise um i think is is another i guess musical critique i have of the song but i'm really excited for this new album we will see whether or not it comes out in early 2019 late 2019 we'll see we ready to move on tanner you heard me say the names dizzy rascal and skepta in the intro and if you didn't think I was going to talk about them, maybe you're a new listener and really don't know me that well. <laughs> so the song that I am talking about next is Money Right. So Dizzy Rascal is kind of continuing his success from the 2017 album Rasket, which was awesome. I loved it. 
So earlier this year, Dizzy Rascal also celebrated the 15-year anniversary of his award-winning debut album, Boy in the Corner, and that album is also very near and dear to my heart. So we are also, like I said before, talking about an EP. Dizzy's is a little bigger than Hosier's with five songs. The EP is titled Don't Gas Me. So Dizzy described the EP on Apple Music's Beat 1 as five banging tracks that are all completely different. Uh, So Money Right kind of came into existence because... Both Dizzy and Skepto were working on tracks in the same building, and they kind of stumbled upon each other. Skepto shows Dizzy this instrumental he's been working on, and the rest is history. So here is Money Right. First of all, I know it's a synthesizer, but like the seal noise. (laughs) It's so good. I love it. And another thing that I just adore about this song is the juxtaposition of tone in their raps. So Dizzy's is a little more jumpy and trebly, especially in that clip that you heard where he's not really changing his flow rhythmically, but he kind of talks like this, you know, and then you have Skepta in the chorus, and he also has a verse that you heard there, and he's just very cool, calm, collected. I don't know. Is the song amazing? No, I would say it's not my favorite of either Skepta or Dizzy Rascal's output ever. Is the collaboration effort promising? Yes. Am I disappointed that this song debuted at 68? Obviously. Will the song climb historically? I am inclined to say yes, but I think it'll peak around the 50 range, if that, and die. Just to end, I would really love to see Dizzy Rascal live. He just sounds so fun and different and full of energy and he's in his 30s now and still is so hype and I just live vicariously through his Instagram posts and just want to be at his concert every day and that's all from the UK side today Tanner I'm tossing it over to you if I may throw in a quick addendum pre-toss one of the things that I particularly like about that song I, I for one share your enjoyment of that song and bringing the seal noise back to the conversation i think one of the things that makes 
Dizzy's rapping so effective is the fact that his you, you earlier you kind of imitated his yelping and it's a yelping that kind of harkens back to that seal-ish sound that echoes throughout the song and similarly you have that sample that kind of arpeggiated I don't know if they're strings or, or a synth or what have you but uh, that arpeggio that climbs up the scale that kind of mm-hmm. traces a similar sort of tonal range to Dizzy's verse and I think that is neat sweet indeed that is a crime <laughs> Okay, so here in the U.S., we're going to start with another country track, uh, and we'll be comparing the two a little bit as we go along, but we are going to talk about Speechless. This is the latest single from the country duo Dan and Shay in what is proving to be their breakout year. Uh, Since 2013 or so, they've had a few top 10 country hits, uh, but none of them were able to crack into the top 40 of the Hot 100 until this year. Uh, Listeners might be familiar with their song Tequila. Uh, that song has been on the Hot 100 for and over I six months. Tequila, exactly. Caitlin loves it, <laughs> it sounds like. Uh, and the general public <laughs> seems to as well. Um, in addition to being on the Hot 100 for over six months, uh, the song peaked at number 21. And as of this recording, is still doing well at number 37. So both Tequila and Speechless are uh, the two first singles that have been released from Dan and Shay's self-titled album, it's their third album, I believe, uh, which debuted at number six. And I think that's all I'm going to do in way of introducing the song. So once again, this is Dan and Shay with Speechless. It started when you said hello Just did something to me And I've been in a daze Ever since the day that we met You took the breath out of my lungs Can't even fight it all of the words out of my mouth without even trying And I Speechless Staring at you standing there in that dress What it's doing to me ain't a secret Cause watching you is all that I can do And I'm Speechless You already know that you're my weakness After all this time I'm just as nervous Every time you walk into the room I'm speechless Yeah, baby I'm speechless Caitlin is giving me the most forced of smiles right now as we listen to that clip. And we will get to the reasons for her forced smile, but I'm going to give you the reasons for my sincere smile. Because while I was pretty indifferent to tequila back when it came out in January, I... I'm impressed with this song. It's not, in some ways, it's not that dissimilar from Tequila. Uh, They're both very mellow songs. Uh, They're both very piano heavy. But I think the difference is that the melody in this song is so, 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 so strong. And I bring that up uh, also to note that last week we were talking about Chris Young's Hanging On and how both you and I felt that the, the hook on that song was rather lacking. And Speechless, on the other hand, in my book at least, has hooks for days uh, one of the keys to that, the hookiness of the song, I think, is the fact that you have a rhythmic pattern in the melody that pervades the song. In both the verse and the chorus, uh, you have the prominent featuring of this alternating between long and short note durations. Do da do da do da do da do da do da do. It unifies the song because you've got it both in the verse and the chorus. Adds a little bit of a kick to those really rich piano chords that kind of tie the song together. Mm. Mwah, love it. But 
It doesn't stop there. You've also got these really gorgeous melodic descents. You've got the ah, da, 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 that Caitlin so generously demonstrated for us. Ah, I'm speechless. Beautiful. And you've got that little fall at the end, which we'll get to in just a second. But that uh, that general descent of the I'm on the at the very beginning of the chorus, it's a nice contrast to the sort of up and down motion that you get with the long short pattern that I talked about earlier. Do 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 do. You know, these two have again, we talk a lot on this on this show about contrasts and similarities, and I think this is a really clear example of contrasts helping to make a song work. And as I mentioned earlier, on a much smaller scale, you have, I don't know if they're called falls or whatever, I'm, I'm no vocal expert, but instead of holding the note steady at the end of a, at the end of a phrase, instead of the, uh, you get a sort of, uh, like the note kind of drops off, which on an immediate sense, just in the context of the song, I think is a really good reflection of the lyrical content, which is all about how Dan and Orshay are swooning over this woman. But I think it also kind of calls back to the singer I think of whenever I hear any Dan and Shay song, whether that's Tequila or Speechless or anything else on their album. And that is the singer of A Rascal Flats. I don't know if Caitlin remembers Rascal Flats. I certainly do. For those that are not familiar, Rascal Flats, one of the most successful country acts of the 2000s, multiple crossover hits, still successful on the country charts to this day. Also, admittedly, a major source of childhood nostalgia. My mom yes. and my sister loved Rascal Flatts. Life is a highway. I'm gonna ride it. I think that's the first like Rascal Flatts cover. That's not their song, but Correct. like I think it was on Cars, like the Cars yes. soundtrack, yep. and that's how I found out about Rascal Flatts. <laughs> I'm particularly partial to Feels Like Today. If my sister is listening, she knows exactly why little little inside memory there but uh more to the point i think both the singers of rascal flats and dan and shay have this kind of throaty yearning tone kind of and it's perfect for ballads um and ballads are certainly something judging by both speechless and tequila that dan and shay are comfortable in and that is also a mode that rascal flats are certainly no stranger to uh, so as a quick example, I'm going to play you a short clip from Rascal Flatts' 2004 Grammy-winning hit, Bless the Broken Road. About the years I spent just passing through A line to have the time I lost and giving back to you But you just smile and take my hand You've been there, you understand Definite differences. Uh, for one, I want more mandolin on chart chat. I'm saying it now. But there are also a lot of similarities, I think. And one of those similarities, besides the prominent use of piano, is the presence of those sorts of vocal sort of falling off of notes and the general timbral uh, similarities between the singers. So to wrap up on this one, I think that Dan and Shay kind of at least at this stage in their career, feel like they're trying to kind of position themselves as sort of a, su a successor to Rascal Flats. at least the more ballad uh, side of Rascal Flats's output. As Caitlin mentioned, Rascal Flats did a lot more uh, songs in other stylistic veins, but this is kind of one facet of that. Caitlin, I know you're not much for earnestness, and this is a very earnest song. How did you feel about this track? 
I wouldn't say that, but I would say <laughs> instrumentally, this song gets on my nerves. So the vocals I really liked, and that's that hook, like the I'm speechless, like that's cool, and I it like gets stuck in my head. It's awesome, blah blah blah, but. The verses instrumentally sound like a band that's never played together before. And I went through college as being part of this course called Lab Band. And we would break into bands and you'd play with different people and we'd play rock music, punk music, like jazz, whatever. And those first couple weeks of practice didn't sound good. And that is what Dan and Shay's Speechless sounds like to me. And then you get they get it together in the chorus. Instrumentally, you can hear it tighten up and like the band then sounds like, okay, we got this. And then it falls apart again. And that to me like triggered memories from playing music in college. And that is my take. So I am one for earnestness. Let the record show that this is the second week in a row that you have described a song as sounding like it's a band that doesn't know how to play. First Eminem Stepping Stone, and now Dan and Shay's Speechless. I'm trying to get a job, okay, Tanner? Oh, uh, that's great. <laughs> that's so good. And with that, we're going to kind of uh, do a tonal 180 from very earnest to not earnest. Or maybe it is a different type of earnest. You decide, listeners. Uh, we're talking about Machine Gun Kelly's Rap Devil which yes. itself is a response to Eminem's diss track, Not Alike. So up front, I will admit that everything I'd heard from Machine Gun Kelly prior to this track left a pretty bad taste in my mouth. Bad Things, his song with Camila Cabello, was dull. Home, it was a song he made with like ex-ambassadors and BB Rexa for the, <laughs> for like the Will Smith, you know what I'm talking about. It's for, it was for like the Will Smith yeah. Netflix movie, Bright, and that song was kind of dreadful. And so there wasn't, I did not go into listening to Rap Devil with a lot of confidence that it would be better than a bore, if not better than downright bad. And that's actually all the introduction I'm going to give this one. So let's jump in and find out how, uh, how on the money I was. Once again, this is Machine Gun Kelly with Rap Devil. Talk about the fact you actually blackballed a rapper that's twice as young as you. Let's call Sway, ask why I can't go up to Shea 45 because of you. Let's ask Skinnerscope how you had Paul Rosenberg trying to shelf me. Still can't cover up the fact your last four hours as bad as your selfie. Now tell me, what are you staying for? I know you can't stand yourself. Trying to be the old you so bad you stand yourself. Let's leave all the beef in the 50. Please. Empty, push a 50. Why you claiming I'ma call Puff when you the one that called Diddy? Facts. Then you went and called Jimmy. Facts. The conference called me in the morning. They told me you mad about a tweet. You wanted me to say sorry. I swear to God I ain't believe him. Please say it ain't so. The big bad bully of the rap game can't take a joke. Oh, you want some smoke, but not literally you'll choke. Yeah, I'll acknowledge you're the goat, but I'm the gunner. Got you in the scope. Don't have a heart attack now. Somebody help your mans up. Knees weak or old age. The real slim shady can't stand up. I'm sick of them sweatsuits and corny hats. Let's talk about it. I'm sick of you being rich and you still mad. Let's talk about it. Above a single dash from the Midwest, we can talk about it. Or we can get gully. I'll size up your body and put some white chalk around it. Caitlin, this is a track that poses a challenge for me because I generally try to avoid the concept of a guilty pleasure. I, I think it's generally a good idea to try to not feel embarrassed about matters of taste. And yet, it makes me really sheepish to say that I really do like this track. 
and I'm especially sheepish to admit that because Machine Gun Kelly is, let's say, not the most critically respected rapper out there. <laughs> but the production on this, of course, I'm going to start with the production. Um, funnily enough, Ronnie J, the producer whose tag you hear at the beginning of the song, um, not only did he produce Rap Devil, he also produced Eminem's Not Alike, which is the song Rap Devil's responding to. And Ronnie J also produced the response kill shot that Eminem released in response to Rap Devil. So props Amazing. to Ronnie J for getting work wherever and whenever he can find it. <laughs> also, for whatever what's worth, I think the beat here is a lot better than the beat on either of those Eminem tracks, which raises the sort of uncomfortable realization that Eminem probably bears a lot more responsibility for his album's kind of rotten sonics uh, than I had previously thought. But putting that aside, the bass on this track, distorted bass, moi, love oh, it. so good. So But it doesn't good. overdo it. It doesn't overplay its hand because, of course, this is a diss track. Kelly's going to try to launch whatever corny disses he can at Eminem. And the sample on this track is so good. There are two main incarnations of it. On one hand, there's the spare sort of just low end descent. And then partway through the verse, it'll switch it up to the guitar and strings that outline the same harmonic progression, but in a higher register. Super good. And then for as much as Kelly's rapping has kind of struck me as amateurish before on tracks like Bad Things or Home, he sounds really good here. He sounds loose, conversational, but poised. He sounds like he is offering these disses without uh, getting himself too worked up and just managed to sound confident through the whole thing, which if you're going to come for someone as titanic and possibly legendary as Eminem, you'd better sound like you're comfortable coming for him. Also, for whatever reason, there's that weird auto-tune on the refrain it's, it's really kind of subtle and kind of gratuitous, but it also gives his voice this kind of rumbly, unstable texture that I find weirdly fascinating. I know you and I were talking mm -hmm. about it earlier. What are your thoughts on the song in general and also the auto-tune? I have, I have more I could say, but... Yeah, the first... I mean, I had trouble picking my favorite diss in this, but... I think it has to be towards the end of the song, you were named after a candy, and then it goes, like you're biting something, like sound effect, and then I was named after a gangsta. <laughs> I thought that was so dumb. <laughs> it's so stupid, but it's so good. Like, I laughed so hard, and I was in the car, like, fuming about Dan and Shay, but also listening to this, and it would have been hilarious to see me in my car with my, like, jaw dropped, like, no, he didn't just say mama spaghetti all over your sweater. <laughs> there are so many like, corny lyrics in this. It's so good. But that's part of what makes it, I imagine, so frustrating and annoying for Eminem. Like, he's, yes, kind of opened himself up to this, I also love when Machine Gun Kelly imitates the huh? because that's the thing I hate about Eminem the most and just like calling him out for being whiny and grouchy. I think he calls him like Oscar the Grouch and it's so funny like I find this diss track also and maybe this doesn't make sense kind of endearing like machine gun kelly re almost assumes like a dad role in a lot of this and yes he's cursing and yes it's like mean he's being mean but like he's throwing in all these 
Sesame Street references. <laughs> you know, it's just like these little things that I'm like, oh, that's cute, but also, whew, what a diss. So I'm a huge fan of like, keep listening to this song because you're going to find you'll latch on to different things uh, each listen. But as for the auto tune, I believe I messaged Tanner and was like, can you believe the auto tune on this hook? It's so not annoying. I find it interesting, but it's almost like purposefully bad. Machine Gun Kelly's rapping is not in any way technically impressive compared to Eminem, but this auto-tune is almost like, wow, this song's going to be popular and you're going to do things to manipulate your voice in like not a great way. <laughs> okay, that kind of adds to the diss. <laughs> Especially because it's a type of effect that Eminem is famously not particularly fond of. The the autotune, the quote unquote mumble rapping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about this song and Kill Shot. Kill Shot, of course, has not hit the charts yet. It's due to next week. I'm gonna spare you a clip of Kill Shot partially because I'm already tired of this beef like all beefs and because I already feel like I've kind of paid too much attention to both of these men but also I have the the sort of hot take that Rap Devil's a lot better than Killshot but in saying that it did kind of get me thinking over the past couple days about diss tracks and about whether or not the quality of a diss track is judged by different aesthetic priorities than other rap tracks I think you and I were talking about it before the podcast we both seem to agree that Killshot has the quote-unquote better attacks or disses or what have you, even though we both find it less musically satisfying. And given that sort of either-or proposition, it seems like most people think that Eminem won quote-unquote the beef. And I find myself wondering if he won this, this feud because he had the better disses, even though he might have had a less musically interesting track. This is the same kind of dilemma I found myself facing earlier when there was the, uh, earlier in the year, when there was the Drake Pusha T beef. I thought the Drake track was a lot better, Duppy Freestyle, as opposed to the story of Adidon. But at the same time, you can't really beat the lyrical diss of you're hiding a child. And so it seems like, at, it seems like for diss tracks, I, I, we were talking, or I was talking rather, with a friend of the podcast. And he was saying that, yeah, in hip-hop diss tracks tend to kind of reshuffle the priorities a little bit in terms of prioritizing the disses. And then from there, I kind of launch into a sort of hemming and hawing and feeling weird because it's like, man, on one hand, I don't even like beefs all that much. And also I'm bad at caring about lyrics. And then I didn't even grow up around hip-hop. So I'm kind of approaching this with an outsider's perspective and I'm missing out on something. Uh. But there I go again, kind of being uh, sheepish about the fact that Machine Gun Kelly, Rap Devil... It's a pretty good song. Uh, I think both of us agree. Almost our pick of the week, Caitlin, but yes. it's not. Would you like to introduce the song that did earn the highest honors of the week? Of course. After much deliberating, we have chosen I Love It, Lil Pump, Kanye West. Neither of those rappers need introduction. Let's listen to a clip. Your boyfriend is a door. Make love in so much diamonds on my 
from sipping binge. Oh, she take long. You're such a fake boy. I love it. You're such a fake boy. I love it. You're such a fake boy. When the first time they ask you, you want sparkling or still? Are you trying to act like you was drinking sparkling water before you came out here? You're such a fucking. I'm a sick folk. I like a quick folk. I'm a sick folk. I like a quick folk. I'm a sick folk. I like a quick folk. I'm a sick folk. I like a quick folk. I'm a sick folk. I like a quick folk. I like my suck. I buy you a sick truck. I buy you some new tooth. I get you that. Scooty Whoop! <laughs> it's the successor song it's... to Lift Yourself. I think we talked. Did we talk about Lift Yourself on the podcast? I doubt it. Scoop, I feel like I've talked poop. about it with so many people. Whoop. Scoopity poop. Okay. Question for you listeners. Is it possible for Lil Pump to be classier than Kanye West? Yes, absolutely. We live in a weird world. Break down the song. Two verses. Super short. But it is so catchy and it's very easy to memorize because there's like five different lyrics. So great. Along with that simplistic lyrical idea, we also have the instrumentation. One bass line repeated over and over, over and over and over and over. And in my mind, I don't know a ton about Kanye West's upbringing. I have read a lot of books about him for one term paper for a certain Fred Moss, um, Once Upon a Time. And I don't know, he just strikes me as the kind of person who, as a child, like made music with plastic bags and it was cool. And I think he developed into that kind of producer, like the more simplistic the instrumental, the better he does uh or maybe the more i like his music so it could be personal preference when he creates stuff with as little material as possible one sample that's in my mind like i don't know fireworks happen tanner do you have any thoughts about our pick of the week that you want to share yeah i mean there's something that i find incredibly alluring about the whatever that rattling noise is in the beat there's something that sounds a little more analog about that. Like I'm sure it's synthesized, but there's something about yeah. the timbre of that sound that sticks out in a sea of everything else being, you know, familiar sorts of drum machine timbres and bass lines. And you have this kind of rattling noise. that sounds like someone's messing with some sort of a, like knickknack or something up next to a microphone. Like it has this really, <laughs> again, like analog quality that sticks out. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, this is uh, to be reductive, meme kanye kanye going for the <laughs> kanye going for the goofy one-offs and at least for this year i think that's when kanye is at his best i was not super into yay the album that came out a number of months ago but i did very much enjoy lift yourself and i do very very much enjoy this uh it's no secret that i am a little pump little a, <laughs> a lil pump <laughs> little pump lil pump defender but man the way Kanye's verse, when he picks up the refrain from Lil Pump, he repeats the refrain. And then at the very end of the refrain, it's not a clean edit between I love it. And then it just like crashes into the beginning of the next verse. Yeah. yeah. Like it doesn't it doesn't seamlessly transition. And there's that intentional sloppiness 
that I find really fascinating. And plus, of course, it's kind of hard to talk about the song without talking about the video. Um, <laughs> suffice it to say, Spike Jones directed uh, the video is um, Lil Pump and Kanye West in these Roblox-looking like square suits. And, and they're just like pulsating like up and just down. Just like kind of bouncing, just walking like... down a hall behind this woman. <laughs> it's so good. But even beyond that, I think it's a, it's a really cool song and uh, deservedly our pick of the week. And with that, thank you so much for listening to Chart Chat, where we fall in every time we go fishing. If you'd like to listen to all of this past week's chart debuts, you can find a Spotify playlist in the show notes. And if you have any questions, feedback, or corrections, you can get in touch with us via email at chartchatcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're interested in following us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ChartChatCast. And if you're feeling so generous, please consider rating and reviewing us on your podcasting platform of choice. Helps us find new listeners, makes us feel good, lets us continue to, in this case, yell about why Little Pump deserves your love and affection. (laughs) ChartChat's intro theme was written by Peter Kelly and our cover art was made by Billy Phillips, both from Coronation Media. Coronation Media is a creative studio specializing in video production, animation, and graphic design. To learn what they can do for your company or organization, visit www.coronationmedia.com. ChartChat is also a member of the Teej.fm network from WTJU. To learn more, visit Teej.fm. That's T-E-E-J.fm. Thanks again for listening to Chart Chat. I'm Tanner Green. And I'm Caitlin Flay. And we will catch you next week. Make love in. Just pulled up in the ghost, for that, that, that.